This is Dear Hallmark. Each week, I'll bring you reviews of your favorite Hallmark movies and TV shows. So grab a drink and let's see what we're getting into with this episode. Hello, everyone. My name is Dara. This is Dear Hallmark, and this is my space to nerd and geek out on all things Hallmark Channel and of TV and Great American Family. And at Christmas, we say what's up to Lifetime. Now, this episode is incredibly special because it is the inaugural episode of a mini series that I am titling the Dear Hallmark Masterclass. And so with that, we are going to be talking with some movers and shakers within the industry that we love in and around our made-for-TV romance movies. And so for this first episode, we are going to be getting into the nitty-gritty, the, the granular, the grassroots, the granola of what it is to be a director. And for that, I called on Mr. Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark, him and I met at Rama Drama West Palm Beach, and he is the director of quite a few Up TV movies. If you heard, I announced, I believe it was a couple of weeks ago, that him and his production company, they, there was a Variety article out that talked about his production company inking a deal with Up TV to produce some movies. And so the movies that he's responsible for include The Engagement Plot, starring Rachel Boston and Trevor Donovan, the newest up TV movie that came out in flirty February, which we talked about last week, The Happy Camper, and then newly announced Just Jake, which stars Rob Mays and Brittany Bristow that will be coming out in the spring on up TV. And y'all, I had such a fun time with this conversation. We really got into, like when I say the nitty gritty, I really do mean the nitty gritty in, in terms of his day to day, what he looks for in a shot, his road to becoming a director, why a director, when a director, who's a director. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and enjoy this series, the Masterclass series. Um, with this episode with Brandon Clark. So you guys, um, we're going to take a quick break. And then when I come back, we are going to get into my conversation and our first master class with Brandon Clark. So stay tuned. Thank you for coming into the home of Dear Hallmark, numero uno. But number dos, I want to know, what is the last movie you saw where you just like broke out in so much laughter you couldn't contain yourself? Oh, that's a good question. I, uh, the last movie where I broke out, we haven't had one in a while, I think. Mm. Oh my gosh. That's saying this something. That's a good question because of that. That's saying something. Last movie I particularly saw might be an old movie I saw again. You know what? The other day I was flipping through the channels. And I have to say, old school came on. And I just started laughing my butt <laughs> off because I, I just, I had to. I mean, I have no choice. I mean, there, there's some kind of like mix between, you know, Wilson and Vaughn and 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 Farrell that just blended just right. I don't know why. And and it's a little clowny, but that's okay. You know, it, I it was. Yeah. It, it's one of those mindless kind of movies that make yeah. me as a director stop looking at 
cinematography and shots and timing and stuff and I can just enjoy it. I like laugh. that. I like that. Is there another movie like that for you? It doesn't have maybe not in the comedy genre, but is there another movie like that for you where you can it lets you take off your director hat? Um, it's hard because a lot of times I want to learn from them or I want to see mm. the mistakes and not have that or appreciate what they've done and what their style and formality is. But um I, I think it's common. I was just actually I was just talking to Trevor Donovan about this. We were laughing. I was bringing up Rob Schneider because I just saw him at a premiere and um, he did a movie, Hot Chick, which is like just crazy. And yeah. and I'm like, man, no, I watch it because it's mindless. Like I literally mm. don't have to think about anything like this. Mm -hmm. And I remember even, I think I said to Rob, like I yelled across the room, was like, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because I don't know why I find it so incredibly funny, but it was, yeah. it's the mindless stuff. And then I have a certain taste of comedy, so I don't know why I'm not a big like slapstick guy. So okay, <laughs> you know, like with I worked with Neil Patrick Harris and Kevin, and it's like we have a different style of things. And so, and I, and I think there's three styles of comedy and stuff that are important. Comedy is comedy, but I just find it hilarious that I watch the opposite of what I do. Mm. And it, I, I don't know, then I don't have to think about that stuff. So You're I, saying it, something it's there. Say, it's hard to say that there's a movie I would watch that's not comedy to get my mind off that. I'm trying to think of what that would be. Mm. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. I, I, can, I can think of something there. Okay. I'll tell you why. <laughs> this might be surprising if um okay so i don't have to look at the cinematography and things when there's a typical love story because this isn't my normal space so i'll focus on the love story mm. like i'd watch titanic again or pearl harbor again if that makes sense and okay. not indulge in all of the cinematography now i'll appreciate it and i won't dive into every scene by scene but i'm more watch those love stories and see how they turn because those drive those kind of movies even though they're high action they drive those kind of movies. I mean, yeah. it's Michael Bay doing a love story. And you're like, what? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, that's so, it's so interesting. You, it's so interesting you say that because I used to do a literature podcast and I, the authors that I would interview, one of them, uh, Joanna Davis Napolitano, she told me how she reads the genres different from what she writes in. So she writes romance, mm -hmm. but she'll read like sci-fi or mystery. So it's interesting that, that you right. that you say that that's that's so interesting i know uh for me it wasn't a movie but a tv show that i just i've been um re-watching living single on hulu and <laughs> i <laughs> see it just makes you laugh when i just say the name like i didn't realize how funny that show was and is it it's it's so timeless and i'm having the best of times Rewatching that show it's it's the best timeless is important i think you can't give a better compliment than to say something is timeless yes. that is that is a beautiful art form because if you can carry that universal language onto the screen oh my gosh and you can defy time you are blessing art and you're blessing the people that watch it and that that is cool yeah i think that's so true for any type of performative art like music plays if the the heart of it like if there's heart in it and if it can transcend generations and ethnicities like i think that is Amen. what makes art the most beautiful like i love that it can speak to all races all generations like it can really impact everyone like it like can't nobody watch living single the fact that you even laughed when i said it just proves that you can't sit <laughs> there and watch this show and not laugh like i think that speaks to something and you hit the nail right on the head so 
All right, let's get into it. Let's take our fork and knife and dive into the steak. That is our conversation. So you are a director, as I mentioned before, but you all like you're no stranger to the film industry at all. And you hinted this a little bit because you were here um, promoting engagement plot. But can you tell the people a little bit, just a little bit about your history, but then focus more so on because you, you know, ex you've experienced the almost like all of those jobs in the film industry, what made you stick with directing? Like why not a DP or sound or editing? Like what made you stick with directing? Oh, wow. This is a powerful question asking me. This is dangerous. Um, <laughs> we got time. <laughs> this is steak, so you're, it's a win-win situation. Hey, listen. So you're speaking my language here. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do um, it. Wow, the powerful thing here is my grandfather might have been that influence on me. I, as a kid, I was the crazy one who always knew what I wanted to do, and people thought I was nuts. I took some time to focus on sports, so got away from the acting, and there was like a time in my life where he's like, do you want to do that, or do you want to do this? I'm like, no, nah, these kids are a little weird for me. I want to play sports right now. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that was just me being a kid and being honest and blunt, and my grandpa was like, all right, go do it. Um, but he did say something extremely powerful to me. On his show with Bo Derek, he did a show called Wind on Water. I think it was ahead of its time. It was actually his retirement, and NBC called him and asked him to come back. So we can't shoot this show. We're spending more money than ever unless you're going to oversight this. So he went out mm. there to do it. And I came to visit him for about three weeks. The first day, I went right to set. And he's like, what are you doing? You just came out. You got in at midnight, 4 a.m. I got all these plans for you to go surf and do your favorite things. And I was like, no, I want to come to set with you. And he looked at me. He's like, you are my freaking grandson. So Aww. I wandered around. He introduced me to every single person. He started with the PAs, the catering. It's a long story. I shared it at his funeral, actually. It was, but it's a beautiful story. Oh, but sorry. one thing he did say to me, the last person at the very, very end. Oh, no, he's, he's rocking heaven. He my, was my best friend. But he, one, thing he learned, one thing I learned really powerful from him is he took me to the last person on set. And he goes, okay, here's an entry-level position. And I go to shake his hand. He goes, this is the director. And he goes, we're all here to hold his hand. Did it right in front of him. And he was like... <laughs> and he grabs me and turns me around. He goes, Brandon, one day you're going to make one of the greatest directors, but I want you to do something for me. Do everybody, everybody else's job first. And so, and even film school, like I went to film school for a little bit, but I was already in the union, focus pulling, operating while I was in college. So I had grinded to join the union in 600. And then I, I right after that did it with grip electric and stuff. And just to, so do I could do everything, you know, mm -hmm. and, and touch hands on everything. But not just do the job one time to mm. experience it. Mm -hmm. It was to earn the right of what these people go through so hard to get to that position. Mm -hmm. Like what my father did, who worked his way all the way up to be a DP, you know, and the, the experience that you get from that, the language, there is no film school in the world mm. that can prepare you for what you get in the trenches. Mm. And I'll say this wholeheartedly to any student or any person. Yeah. And I could see the dichotomies while I was in film school and doing that. And the things that I realized, I looked like I was an observer looking in because I was mm. like, this is a fantasy land. And then here's reality. Mm. And I can't even, I can't even count to you how many people out of the couple hundred that were in film school with me that never did anything. I mean, I, I probably know one, to be honest with you. And wow. the reality check is, and some of them can do it for a little bit, but I'm talking about in later years now that I yeah. know that continued on. Um, it's a struggle. It's a grind. You must love what you do and have so much passion to do it. Here's the blessing from this. Because I did that, there's there's two major things. One is you can honor your career at an incredible level like never before and realize the value and intricacy and this, you know, 
the actual significance of every single role they have for you. And then you realize the paintbrush of every department. But the most powerful thing, and I hate saying it, but it's the truth in this business as you see through the BS and you mm. know who's full of crap and who's talented, and who's not mm. and what's going on and who also most importantly matches your taste buds. Mm. There has to be a cohesiveness to that and a flavor that you're balancing on the zone. Of, and you're just going, you're going in the trenches and it's a war to finish a movie and mm. not to make it sound so intense, but it really is. And I believe relationships and that cohesiveness and alignment and taste buds show up on the lens when you're all working together. Yeah. So I would give that as a, my short answer. <laughs> <laughs> the microwave version instead of the crock pot. I might give a little deeper if you go, if you press it. So <laughs> I'm about to, so get ready. I'm about to, uh -oh. because like you mentioned, oh, there's so many things I can pull from this, but I'll pull this string. So you, you know, you mentioned the different areas, but I, I still like, I have this analogy. So you know how people can grow up in church mm -hmm. And they like their parents have a true relationship with Jesus, but you can grow up in church and still not have a relationship with Jesus. And it isn't until you have your own personal relationship with Jesus that you can experience what your parents have been experiencing for you. You grew up around the film industry like you worked all these jobs. But when did that do you remember a moment where that passion for it clicked in for you and you were like, yo, directing like the lit like how to tell the story through directing this is what i want to do was that ever a moment for you mm, that's a dope question shoot <laughs> you know the industry changes so much so fast mm. there was also a lot of um bearing weight it's almost like being a pastor's son if i'm gonna mm. go in the same analogy yeah so i'm yeah. walking around like a pk kid but the truth is you have your own identity in the industry and i and it's, and I was going to do my own thing, my own destiny, my own purpose that God's intended me to be. Yeah. And in that I had to faithfully rock in that, but God had to shape me in a different way. Um, I had a lot of successes quickly, but I will tell you this. I actually, during film school did not direct one thing on purpose because I, I made that promise to my grandfather and stuff. Now I was a kid making movies when I was nine. I'm like, I, I was that nuts, <laughs> but I didn't direct anything in that. What happened was, is I served everybody. I actually got in trouble for this because I was supposed to direct some stuff, but I was too busy. And I remember having a conversation with a professor and said, listen, is there a difference between all these movies? He goes, yes, I can tell. You've DP'd these movies for these people as the cinematographer, and it's clear as day what projects. And I go, yeah, I, I go. And he goes, no, but they're standing out incredibly. And I said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's very kind. <laughs> and he goes, no, no, you need to do one of your own. I said, listen. I'm here helping everybody. I go, if you're looking at that scene, the significant difference between them, what value is that for me in this space right now? I said, I'm working in the industry while doing all this stuff. And I said, but I go just somehow part the seat for me on this one particular thing. And I explained how to deep talk with him and he actually accepted it. But I also got a little bit of trouble because I was getting paid at one point because they saw my projects with these other people. And so I was DPing them. And it was really the truth to my, what my grandfather was saying is they didn't know anything. So I was just there to help them and guide them and do it because I knew what I want to do from a kid. So here's the blessing in this. Mm -hmm. Because I was around that environment, I got to be around some of the very best in the industry and watch. And I used to study cinematographers first mm -hmm. because I was like, well, that's my paintbrush. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even a tech guy. So I would go to Panavision mm -hmm. and study cameras and walk in there. And I think a couple of times I saw Favreau. He's one of those guys that would study you know, stuff so much. And, 
And there's so many values to that, but it defined me later years as a director. And when I stepped away and gave it up and sacrificed it for character and things, because I was, you know, given into stuff that I, I just felt like wasn't me just yeah. for the job. When I gave that up and surrendered and stepped away from the industry and God called me back into it and I, this started going, I, that was when the shift happened. I mean, I always had passion mm. for it, but the drive and the purpose and the destiny was clear. Yeah. And so all of a sudden you're just like, oh, more, more, more. Okay, let's go. And you learn to not worship or idolize or look up to anything in this. You just enjoy what you do. Because honestly, I look at it as like God is giving me one of the greatest gifts in the world, which is to do this. And I think I have the best job in the world. I mean, I am so incredibly grateful. And to be able to bless others with jobs and work towards that and constantly give fortitude to things. Like when people call me for advice and stuff, I mean, it's like an open book. I love that. It's, it's yeah. the greatest feeling ever and now to define those other the other question to that is my dad was his own person doing dp and everything and now i've called him out of retirement had him come on shows with me and it's a different relationship dynamic mm. for sure it's getting better but you know there it's it's tough for him you know i'm god bless him but then i know <laughs> my grandfather would be so happy to see that mm -hmm. um and i and now now you're gonna make me almost tear up in this but this is what's so dope during Happy Camper, I had my cousin's uh, son come and play a role. He played Owen, and he, his name is Owen. And cutest freaking kid. And she and I are super tight, always have been all of our lives. I'm at a little monitor, and I had everybody at the big monitors because I needed to be close to them. I want to be close to my actors. And so then she whispers in my ear, and she goes, and I had forgotten about it, and it just gives me chills. She goes, man, Rob Dog would be dying and turning over right now, and having has got to be dancing to see all these generations doing this right now. Wow. And just all of us together that my dad was there, her, she was there. Uh, my mom had come that day and then Owen was there and it was just a family affair because I grew up seeing this industry as a family business Yeah, and it's been corrupted and egos and all that stuff. That's just what happens in any industry. Yeah. But this has been, it's been an incredible blessing. And also if you, I got to be straight with you. If I had been asked to do this space, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said yes. But th see, that's the thing is like, God was reshaping me going, I don't even care. I just love doing what we do. Mm, I think mm -hmm. it's a challenge, right? Like every audience, it deserves the utmost respect. Mm. And, and I looked at this going, man, this audience, I don't even know. I don't even watch this, but what a cool way. If I'm a true artist, I should have a universal language to speak to. Yeah. And so I hope that, yeah, I mean, that's the best way that I could give that. And I find that like, as the church analogy, it's just finding your own path. It yeah. really is like, and defining who you are. Like my path is just different. It completely is different than my grandfather. It was different than my great granddad. It was different than my dad. Yeah. Um, do I appreciate that it, we have the generations? Absolutely. But it never made, I will say this, it didn't make anything easier. Nothing was given. Mm. Um, I just found my own thing. Now there was times where I worked with my father. So I had some access that was good. But I mean, I can't, I, I've been fired off shows. I mean, stuff that like you would not believe. I mean, and I say in this industry, if you haven't been, then you're not making it. So <laughs> talk about that. What was it like? That. Like, I don't, if you want to, but like, what was it like getting fired? Like, how did that make you feel? Oh you're like, gosh. what are you doing? And, like, and, I'm supposed to be here. that you love. <laughs> right. Well, there, there's, I mean, there's a lot of egos and Okay, so you know, to to make do sometimes when I was in college, I would I was uh I would second ACR at first or I would operate. And 
There was there, <laughs> there's a couple times, but one time <laughs> in general, I'll give you two examples. One time was because, and I hate saying this, but it's the truth. Uh, when you have a high level of, of competency and someone's a couple people are above you, they're going to have a real hard time with you because they do not want you to make them look bad. So when mm. I saw who they hired right after, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, it wasn't like any kind of fight, never put them down or anything like that. It's just, I just knew what it was. I'm like, okay, I get this. And then there's other times where you make mistakes. Like, um, you know, I, I grew up in film, like loading film and doing all that stuff and, and the tally charts and all that stuff. So when you're second scene, you got to keep track of all that stuff on the back of the slate. The combo of stuff is so much more in depth back then than it was now. Mm. And if you did one simple mistake, cause it's so costly on film, one can had a miss mark or something that I did or something. And I, this is actually funny. D Steven Douglas Smith is a great DP, DP for Spielberg and everything. Great friend of mine. We've won a lot of awards together. He's DP'd some stuff for me in the past. And then now he's on my TV series operated and he operated on just Jake for me. Just fan. He's a family guy. Like this is another example of people coming up. There's never too much pride, the deep, not DP come in and operate, just enjoy being around it and stuff. And one of them close friend of mine, but I was on one of his shows and he, they made him as the DP come to me. I was young to the truck and say, Hey, be, uh, you know, da, da, da. and I'm like, and I already knew, cause I know how this industry is. I'm like, all right, cool, man. And he goes, and he knew it's going to suck because whoever they bring in is going to have to catch up and it's going to be mm. miserable. But mm. there's, there's a, there was a way at a certain point in this industry where producers are like, nah, he got to go one, one tiny mistake. You're gone like that, but it defines you. It creates, it makes you better. It makes you good. It makes also made me understand how I wanted to be as an executive producer and a director. And Brian Bird knows mm. this. On our films, I have a rule with everyone. Anything that, you know, especially when we go into states with new crews and stuff like that, I always give second chances because I believe this industry never did. Mm. And I, I didn't really get that. So I rehire people even with big mistakes and stuff and we talk about it. And even if they did multiple mistakes, but I give them a second movie a lot of times. And then if that still doesn't work and it's not there, then I explain why because I want them to succeed when they leave us. And mm. maybe there's some other place they belong or somebody, some other group they belong with. So it, yeah, it's never easy, but this is a cutthroat place, you know, to be in. I don't recommend it for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Could you explain to us and me what the difference is between an executive producer and a director in terms of role, all of it, just go. Well, there's a <laughs> definition to it that's pretty direct. And then I can give you the deep thing but from the, business, the deep dive executive here. producer i'm an executive producer from the scale of everything from the surface mm -hmm. they finance the movie okay or, or they found the financing for the movie um if you see like a co next to producing or co-executive now this can change but generally in those titles it means somebody assisted in some aspect of that um there's people who like clinch on in this business and i, I mean it's just the truth but yet they clinch on by making a phone call or introducing somebody and then want to demand it. Mm. That's, it, it happens all the time. It, it's this, this nature of this beast, but actually an executive producer generally is the financing. Now there is creative executives too, like Brian oh. Burr is a creative executive producer on our, our, our prod uh, projects. And if I come in on, on a project outside of directing, I usually come in as a creative producer or creative executive producer. Um, if I was brought in by the money, or the you know, or okay. the production company if they finance it themselves or something like that. Now, executive just means you're in charge of the finances over okay. the project. You also own the project, 
So there's a particular majority of the time, yes. Not all executive producers. Or let's say they own a production company services like camera equipment and rental house, all that stuff. If they somehow assist in the financial attribute of the project above just getting paid, mm-hmm. like they were making deals to, you know, give back onto the production value, then we would they would be an executive producer. There's a lot of lines there. Um wow. But you know, as a director, you're you're actually considered an employee, but you're above you're that employee above the line. Mm. So when we do budgets, there's the below the line and above the line. And then from a director to producer, executive producers are above the line. Okay. The below the line starts the chief of the crew, director of photography, gaffer, and then you know you have your your spider effect from everybody. Your keys yeah. of every department. And when we say keys, those are the heads of the department. Okay. Okay. This is great. Generally speaking, now I'm. Now, on big movies, keys can change. Like, if you're a first assistant AC on a camera on a major big project, like when I was focus pulling, if you're on a big, big movie, you're like the ch- you're the chief and you run the truck. That it'll be like some massive truck. Mm. You're in charge of that whole that whole crew for every camera assistant from there on out, mm. um, and you chief it up. So then there's like built up, and you're considered a key at that point, even though the DP is on a slower scale thing, the the key key. But you know. That's how we kind of branch out on bigger shows. Now, DP, that's director of photography, right? Correct, yeah. And are they in charge of the quality of the picture in terms of, like, lighting and and blocking and things like that? Or does um, the director no, do blo- blocking? Blocking, blocking is, is directing. Now, directors okay. will do a certain amount. It depends on the competency of the director, too. I mean, mm. I, this is honesty. Yeah, uh, a DP. What we generally is the chief of the crew and probably has the most experience to you know on most shows compared to directors, unless they're mm. a really you know well-oiled director, a lot of experience, done a lot of stuff. Um, and if they come in only as a director, if they they built themselves up through the industry, then they'll have a lot more skill sets. But a DP will design the shots, uh, the mood, the tone, mm. you know, pastels. But the director decides it a lot of times. Now. Um, they'll do composition they'll design blocking to fit the composition if okay. a director doesn't understand eye lines and certain things and a lot of times the actors direct this happens a lot and they'll cover that basis for them they're there mm. they're there to guide them and protect them through their decisions that they're making ultimately the director has a decision i'm way more hands-on mm. so like I, i'll go and create an overall pastel of colors for that movie mm-hmm. and then i'll create a pastel of colors for the characters that fit into that universal mm. pastel okay and then i will apply those to hair and makeup and wardrobe and all that stuff i will apply that to cinematography and then i'm very adamant about my shots and mm. i'll explain why those shots are the shots um my dad's gotten better at this because now he knows he's like no he knows what he wants like and and so there's reason for it and i know i'll explain it to everybody and that way they understand why i'm doing something because yeah. a lot of times they'll just look at a scene for a scene and then shoot coverage and try to get the best lighting for that for their sake. But I go, no, 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 that doesn't fit the sake of the whole movie. This scene means this to tell this whole story. Mm. And this paintbrush here, I might want to go a little bit moodier than just this overall look you're going for. Mm. I want to be real moody here and I want to be short and contrite. I don't yeah. want to do a big opener shot and stuff. I want to, and I want a slight push at the end for the intensity. And I want it to be separate from the other characters. So we're feeling there their intuition, their emotion and everything of what's going on, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Man. So you just had um, your latest movie air on UpTV, which we're going to talk about the UpTV thing uh, later on. 
but um happy camper <laughs> just uh just aired and then you have another one if y'all haven't been on social media between Britt Bristow and <laughs> we know that there's another movie coming out um, called Just Jake. So you have that one coming up soon. Um, and I can only imagine that's probably going to be on UpTV as well. But could you give us what a typical day in the life of a director on a set would look like? I can give you my example. I mean, I can give you typical... <laughs> I don't, I don't, I know what others are. I don't want to speak on their behalf out of respect for them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I, I, I can give you, yeah, I can walk you through it. And I think maybe this would help other directors too. Um, so I, 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 I have my routine, but I do a review of my late night work that when I leave set, I work on it. And I keep these little black books with me um, and the black book for each movie. And they go in a box when I'm done with the movie. Mm-hmm. And they're all my side notes. They're my change ups. It's not just the writing stuff on the script. It's personal stuff for the actors individually. Um, my moods I want out of that scene, the focal points. And then I have my shot list in there. And so I'll review that in the morning. I get into the car with my one of my best friends, Scott. He And then what I like to do is have the actors drive with me a lot of times. So I make them jump in the same car, usually my lead, so we can have a warm-up conversation that can they can marinate on when they get to uh, some hair and makeup. It's all about time efficiency as a director. You, okay. Your job is to get your day done, hopefully not in overtime and everything else to make it costly. Some mm-hmm. shows just plan on it and go into it or whatever, but to get done the most you can. When I get out of that car, I go right to set. I actually don't eat in the morning while everyone else is eating. I let the crew do other thing. And I do this weird walk <laughs> where I'm talking to myself in the scene <laughs> and I'm walking it out for everybody. And then I do a sit down visualization of it coming to life, right? I already mm-hmm. have it in the book and I know it but I'm very visual. And because I know all changes could come, Mm. like you could have the best plan in the world. There's very outlined directors and I have a plan, but I treat it like this. I put it at bay. Mm. And if something feels better on that day, because there's something about on the day being there in the moment that will trigger things that are so beautiful. Mm. And you just, I go, I'm a gut person. So I have to go with that. And so then when I'll plan the shots, Usually everyone's getting done. Then I do a walkthrough with my director of photography and my gaffer and my first AD. And I don't let anybody else usually on. If there's like a key grip that need to be there or something like that, that's fine. I let the department heads decide. Sometimes the operators are there because I want to do it all in one and we have less time. Mm-hmm. And it's a bigger scene or something. I'll explain the shots and I'll say, okay, here's here's what we're going to do here. This, we're going to start here in the submaster. When we flip the world, we're going to go for a master. And then I'm going to do these on my tights. And I'm going to, I'm going to pick up here. I'll warn them ahead of time. I'm going to shoot the series to save us time so we can get to this. Um, and I'll do some pickups and here's my coverage on my overs or whatever. And I'll explain it all. And then I said, I will give you more detail when we do our walkthrough, they start lighting and setting up. And then there's a pre setup time where I will do, bring in my actors. I'll run a rehearsal mm-hmm. and then they see the rehearsal, no matter what they look like, they got to get on set. We run this <laughs> rehearsal. I usually do a couple depending on how we're doing. And then once I've got them oiled, and this is where the set has to be super quiet. Once I've got them where I want them to be, and I got this feeling and this rhythm going, then I'll do one just for camera. They'll go again and camera can see from my planned shots. And a lot of times as that's going, I'll even look and I'll look at the DP and go, no, no, it's going to be here to here. And let's go jump on a 75 or something, whatever. Mm. And they'll know. Um, I'll say, hey, no, stay dynamic in the wide or whatever it may be that I'm feeling. They break away. 
they cut now there's gonna be more way more details of this so i'm trying to brush through but then they break away <laughs> they come yeah. back and then we're fully lit at this point what we'll do is some some last minute touch-ups obviously hair and makeup throws in i call we call lasties like i i joke with it but even you know it's 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 the last time to come in so last looks is really the term but i can say lasties and i call them vance and so uh lasties come in they do their thing especially you know on the tights but if we're in the masters we shoot the master get the flow and the rhythm we'll usually in a run takes that we're doing figure out little things we need to fix or whatever once i got it oiled we're going to jump in we get our tights we'll get lasties in there again especially if it's brit and stuff we might do some you know on just jake or whoever my lead female is we like just a little different take a little time once that scene's done i now move on to the next scene while the crew is breaking things down or i prepare that room if we're using the same room or whatever do another walkthrough before i send them to hair and makeup and wardrobe if it's on a different day in the script mm. so and that builds up throughout the day okay. um i don't eat lunch on purpose with i like if i could ever do it with the crew i will they know that but i actually spend that time as my solitude time by myself to review the script mm. and then i go mm -hmm. back up to I like a really quiet set when no one's around. I don't know what's with it. Like mm -hmm. I will walk in the room, especially on you know days where you got intense stuff going on. And I will walk uh, the rest of my day through. Like the next scene is the most important and I'll feel it. I'll just go, okay, this, this, this. When no one's around, I don't get bothered. I don't have anything, you know, because once they get in there, it's a million questions. And mm. so then, you know, once the crew is setting up for that scene too, then any scene that's going on, I will break away to wardrobe. I'll break away to hair and makeup I'll do all the reviews and checks because I got to sign off I sign off on everything mm -hmm. yes 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 or we'll battle stuff like Gigi and just Jake uh I based her character off frames and if the frames weren't right we didn't the wardrobe was going to be right because mm. that's part of her character she changed frames every day we change her hair every day but I would start with frames and the frames would determine the hair and the and then the and how I the wardrobe would flow interesting and once we got the right frames we knew we were on the right move and that was just some kind of key for her and then I create nicknames for everybody and uh so it's easier to remember and themes so we like does this fit this theme let's think about that and then they'll pitch ideas to me like let's audition it i don't i don't know let's see what we got and but it's so funny the audition stuff but then when you see something you go no no that's right okay yeah i love it let's go with that but it's just constantly staying wow. on top of every single department in the mood and tone i run around like a crazy man though <laughs> so that's it's so eye-opening because it also like going back to your point you want to make sure you have people around you because of how many your hands are in so many different departments and you're also dependent on so many different people in so many different departments to all of you come together and accomplish this goal. How do you now as Brandon Clark, not as the director, how do you wade through the BS of a lot of like how do you wade through all of the the fake the phony the bs that you may find in the film industry um a lot of times like i try to meet them and I, yeah, god gives you discernment I, personalities is a big take you know what i'm saying and yeah if yeah. i sit with them i let them talk i ask a lot yeah. of questions real quick i don't need to deliver because you've already you're already carrying that you know, experience and wisdom and discernment sitting there. Mm. And so you, you let them go. And then there's, there's some key points in every department. Like I had a new wardrobe person on just shake. And the one thing that was so cool after the interview and just asking questions of feelers was watching their excitement on things I would say. Mm. And then, Oh, and that keyed and the key, what it told me was their response means it isn't about 
it coming from me. It's about how good the idea is that they're going to take it and yeah. make it better. Yeah. And even if my idea wasn't that great, they see the where I'm going. And if they see potential, because that's how I survive, is seeing potential in people. Actors that no one's used, whatever's going on. Like I, I've seen that potential and how they fire up at all cylinders. What <laughs> I loved about this last one was that she would pitch stuff, mm-hmm. but then love the decision we came to in alignment. Mm. And I wanted her to continue pitching stuff. And every once in a while, the pitch was way better than where we headed. There was times where I came in and just shut it all down. Mm. But I told why and descriptive and we looked at each other, we thought about it. And then I would say, no, no, no. And she knew I was a gut feeling and they go, okay. And then she could take it from there. And it was, you know, it's direction. Sometimes yeah. direction is the greatest thing to be given, you know, yeah, as an absolutely. artist, if someone gave absolutely. me direction on something, it's like the script, the script gives me direction, right? Like yeah. now I can have all the fun in the world with it. Yeah. It's now yours. Right. Go, go bring breath and life to this. Right. Like yeah. it's a whole different, whole different perspective. I think that's the best way, but it also depends on the positions. Um, like when it comes to camera and stuff, if they just say things, I mean, like when someone starts talking, it you'll, it, I'll know right away if mm. it's crap or not. I mean, there's just yeah. logistics. And this is why, honestly, to be honest with you, love, I, I literally have veterans on my sets a lot because they speak my language. Mm. I mean, I actually, I, I've got a gaffer who's on his 95th film and, but man, but I speak the, the younger generation language with the older generation language because there's some beautiful stuff I learned as a kid in the traditional stuff yeah. that is way better than things we do right now because yeah. they're the reason why we got to where we are. But now mm-hmm. technology is dividing that. Mm-hmm. And it's like technology is still separating the vision of what actually are the components and foundations that got us there. Like what are the original art forms and pastels that made the software be created like this mm. so they're skipping this huge gap not understanding the conceived notion because if we lose this we don't figure out how to create more of this yeah like so there, there's this weird dividing line so i try to give a balance on our shows because they're so they can teach the younger ones so much by being in the trenches and their experience and then the younger ones can teach so much about their drive and their heart and and you know their fire under their belly to get going in this and and they yeah. got tech down a little bit different. And, and, you know, the way that there's some young guys that just, they get the camera so well. And I can hear by how they talk, whether it's BS or not. Even if it's cameras, I'm not used to like dissecting anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's just common sense to it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm so appreciative of that because it allows me to know that I have a really strong crew and a strong family. Yeah. You know, they got your back. Yeah. Um, and I think I believe that my a lot of the crews lately and know I have their back because I, I hope in my heart they understand this. The most selfish thing in the world is to be a director because they're all here for your vision. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, for real, right? Yeah, like, it's yeah. Like, dang, that's a strong concept to conceive, right? Yeah. So I try to remind them, like, as much as I can, man, I can't even tell you how grateful I am. I'm asking you the most selfish person on the planet to be here for my vision. <laughs> Number one. And and you're the final sign off, but that comes with a heavy responsibility Yeah, because I, you're only as good as your last job. Right? Like I, I feel like I bear witness to getting them their next work and, and, and feeding that fire and, and getting the, you know, that that's the responsibility and weight that you carry too. not just going out to make a movie. I like, um, mm. or something you have a, one project that you have a passion about. Uh, this is bigger than that. And, and this is something that's a universal language. It, it's entertainment. We take our time to make something great for people to appreciate and for our audience to care about them. Yeah. Because 
they could be going through something in their life and let's say it's a moment of escape or an alternative content or Talk, it brother. brings just a wee bit of hope. Yes. You know what I mean? Just that one moment can change, even though it's only for an hour and a half, two hours, it can change a life. You don't know. I don't for know. Real. I don't have to. We never know what's going on. For real. Like that's a, I, that's a strong. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. That, go ahead. I was going to say, literally, I was just talking to someone about that last night. I was on Instagram live for like four hours and we were talking about any and everything. But one of the things that that came up that a movie actually prompted us in talking about was the importance of art and how necessary art is to the soul, how it feeds the soul and nourishes the soul. And I think it it does human beings a disservice when we try to downplay it and when we try to downgrade it as something so frivolous and something so like we just playing in the tulips outside and just laying in sundresses. Like I I really am on like the <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I'm really on a campaign trail to it's get true. people, you know, like to get people to see how important whether it's sculpting, filming, writing. Um, vocal performance, dancing, whatever it is, like the medium of art in and of itself, which is why I love God so mm. much for this, is so necessary. I think it it brings a completeness to the human being that we don't, that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And it honestly, it also emulates our creator as well, because I mean, just, that's it right just, there. I was just, just about to say that. Yeah. I said, what greater, <laughs> you're on point. What greater yeah. example of the great creator than to be a creator yourself? Yeah, I mean, you want you want to get you want to get close to the king. In, I, I feel closer than him than ever when I'm on shows and working and diving yes. stuff. Yes, it's a piece of his DNA in us to be a yes. creator. You know, it's the way yes. we're, we're designed, all of us. Yes. Literally, I was talking about that. Sorry, I'm screaming. I'm sorry, y'all, who's listening. I was uh, <laughs> I was so talking about that to the people last night. I was saying, like, I'm for me, it's writing and literature. So when I'm writing a book and, and thinking of, like, settings and characters and plots, and like, that's when I feel alive. Like, that's when I feel the rush. That's when I feel the adrenaline. That's when I feel the purpose. That's, that's, that's where I feel it. And I think when we have... Um, whether it's family who don't want to support, whatever. I, I just think we do ourselves a disservice when we don't honor and respect and take seriously art the way that I feel like it should be. So That's this is right. Dara. I that think, was my TED Talk. I think talk. there's times where we, I, you, you, you got it there. You nailed it. <laughs> I, I also believe that art has its, has its variables that we don't realize. We put it in a box. Like mm. science is an art. Like there, there is art yeah. to everything. So this is where and math is an art. Like my brother is yes. a physicist. I watch him like that's an art yes. because it takes a so defined skill and a complete gifted talent from you that it's an art. Yes. Like, Come on. <laughs> you don't understand how I was just talking about my, my, my older sister. She's a nurse. So she has, um, she definitely has more of the scientific brain, but where we collide is space. Like you can see the science of astronomy, but can you not also see the art of the cosmos? Like it's like, oh God, ah! like it's mm -hmm. so amazing. It's so, so amazing. And this is, this is why I enjoy connecting with people in this space as well, because film is a very much a new art form for me. I just kind of stumbled down the steps into this. This wasn't 
planned. Like, and so to to learn different aspects of filming and more importantly, different perspectives from different positions within the the filming industry it just it shows you how how big it is because we just as viewers yeah. and fans we just see a movie like we just see the final product but we don't understand all of the like everything that took place behind the scenes to bring that 80 minutes or 120 minutes whatever it is to our screens for us to enjoy, for it to be that escape, which is why I wanted to interview you and also interview um, people, more people behind the scenes, because it's just like- I'm so I'm glad blown. you're doing it. I mean, it, it blesses us because the truth is, we think, you know, most people, you know, they watch the actors and everything, and that's what they care. And I understand that's what they're most familiar with because that's what they see. Sure. But the depth of what goes into it and and what's behind that, it's a really powerful, awesome thing. Because yeah. it's a bunch of people coming together to make something work and to believe in something and get it done. Um, even if they're separated from the script, there's just some kind of unifying, powerful alignment of trust and bringing their gifts and talents and their department and everything. And when that all comes together, that's why I feel like I'm a conductor and the good thing I can multitask <laughs> is it's, it's a beautiful orchestra yeah, and it, there's probably no accident. My mom is a a conductor. Like I'm like, <laughs> this is making more sense to me. God's creation and stuff. You know, <laughs> it's yes. like I'm like, wait, okay, I guess I got a little mama traits going on too. So <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, and she's extremely talented, no doubt. But it's like, and and I refer to me. That's why music is so important to me in my movies too. Like I think mm. about music so early on mm. because it can either either destroy a scene or it can uplift a scene. It can mm. either make an actor you know, shift from what they were actually trying to accomplish or assist what they're yeah. actually accomplishing. Yeah. They can either drive emotion away or yeah. pick it up and bring it to us closer. You know, it's it's so insane, the reality of it. And like in the, the each movie, I treated the music differently. Like Engagement mm. Plot had its own, you know, popular move, but I wanted classical to be almost a touch of pop. So we started mm. with fast classical move, right? And Dorico did a great job and stuff. And those guys did a great job. And then I went different with Happy Camper where I had some country artists, but when we composed, it was Tyler Michael Smith, who's Michael W. Smith's son, who's extremely <laughs> talented and gifted. Yeah, he did. <laughs> you can't just throw that name around and we not just take a moment of silence. What? Oh, Tyler, oh Tyler did an amazing work. He's fire. We're probably going to do a soundtrack now because everybody loved the music so much, but I was like, cool. And Tyler wants to do it. So and he's really good at melodies and Ryan and him are different, you know, in such different ways. And it's so good because they have their own touches. But then that's part of directing is seeing everyone else's talents and where does it mm. fit to this and who's right mm. for this one. And, and then I, Dorico came back on just Jake and I wanted to be very minimalistic in the music on that one. And we did a lot. Mm. If you notice when you see the movie, a lot of piano, very subtle, holding notes long for tension mm. to rise because the scene fulfilled its own entity. And wow. also we have a lot of guitar because we're writing songs, very authentic nod back to Nashville and the songwriting. And all of that is real performed music throughout the whole movie. And we wrote, we wrote the song on that movie before we shot the movie, because I wanted the song to tell the story and the wow. movie to tell the song. And there's a beautiful essence without giving too much away that he is writing the song, but he can't finish it because he needs her side of the story. And it's like anything we oh. do in life, like, it's when we're making movies too. It's the same thing. So when you do see it, I hope you're blessed by it. And all these movies have their own touch. 
I can't with you. This is too much. This is too much. Okay, so you mentioned the engagement plot and Happy Camper um, and Just Jake. What all of those movies have in common is that they are and will be on Up TV. And if you don't know this already, listeners and viewers, I shared this. um, I talked about this on my podcast. It was in the news segment. But your production company, True Brand Entertainment, you guys inked a deal with Up TV to give us some movies. Congratulations for that, number oh, one. thank you. Absolutely. And number two, like, does inking a deal with a specific network come with any type of pressure or do you feel that that was like, it's a happy marriage because they know what you bring, you know what they bring, so on and so forth? I mean, I'll, I'll be really honest in this because I think that's the best policy most of the time. Um, we live in a little too held down culture right now. But <laughs> the truth that, you know, we have no obligations locked down to them or anything. It is, you know, now we've done three movies of that four. Okay. Um, the fourth is an option. And, and it looks like we'll, we'll do this. Uh, we'll do a fourth one right now. And it, we'll probably grow in our relationship with them. And I hope we do. Yeah. Here's why. One thing I love with Charlie and Larry Levinson and what Up is doing um, they're like a little man on the totem pole, but I'm okay with that. Cause I'm like, guys, yeah. help us help you be relevant and, and everything and bless you. Cause I love yeah. what you're about because they don't put restrictions down so much. Yeah. Like, it's not like, Oh, this is our style. Like Hallmark has that, and G, you know, GAC or GAFM, like great American family. Now they all have, you know, those certain touches and that's good. Cause they, they fulfill their audiences, which we need. Mm-hmm. And it's important because everyone needs some form of audience and they're going to pick their favorites. That's just, that's the nature of the beast, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. But what's beautiful here is I feel like we're kind of in the middle. And it's like, I just want to be able to hopefully speak to everybody yeah. and, you know, hang out with everyone. And I believe that's just what we're getting from that up has been very good to us and gracious. There's no pressure. I mean, like we go and make our film independently and technically it's an acquisition back to them. It's just that, you know, we mm. made a, you know, a, a deal with them to go, Hey, these four can go to you, or we could go shoot some other ones and decide which four go, you mm. know, um, but it's a great marriage so far. I love where Charlie's headed. I love what, uh, you know, Chrissy and Hector have been extremely supportive over there too. And, and you know, like if you saw in our variety, you know, uh, release too, it's just, we want them to part of everything too. People to know them, know about them. Yeah. I think less people know about them. Yeah. So it's all about growth as we grow. And it's a cohesive, you know, marriage is great because they, they're very entrusting in us and likewise for us to them. Yeah. And I hope that's, how everybody can be with a network but you know it's hard for those networks too because every you can't trust every movie that's going to come in you can't trust Mm -hmm. every production company that's just the truth Mm -hmm. you don't know the quality of care look we all have different taste buds at the end of the day and some people may not should not maybe do this business (laughs) or maybe should not be in that position but you know all power to them for trying and getting there and if something they want to try and like but you know i think for us um i mean you know that this wasn't something i thought (laughs) Doing. Oh, no. and, and I love this for my company <laughs> and I don't know how much longer I will but I love this for the jump start of our company because our company is going to continue to do this no matter what mm. and I felt like I could meet my audience halfway and I did feel like in this space and I'm going to be straight is it had a lot of flat lighting it thought oh flat is funny and then I'm like this isn't even funny it's like you make noises to be funny like what is going on right now and then you know maybe the audience likes corny I don't know so maybe I can go 50 <laughs> 50 so I said, hey, one thing I do know is I can be cinematic and be funny and I can be cinematic throughout the whole film so that we can feel the emotions more intensely. 
And I also felt like, man, let's bring characters alive. Was it just like, mm. like across the surface? So <laughs> like, even with my actors on these, I'm like, we talk about this. We create a lot of back history that you don't know about. We're trying to get it on the page, but there's only so much you can do. But I know that because we carry that, we know the back history and the creations we're talking about. It yeah. shows up on the lens and your feelings and emotions and looks and deliveries of lines. Yeah. So there's a lot to that. And then also in those discussions change how I approach the shots for those emotions. And there's so much subconscious that goes on when people are watching, they may not notice it, but I know they feel it. Yeah. And that's what matters. And I hope yes. to God that we keep making movies that people want to watch again and again. Yes. <laughs> it's not just yes. about making it to where they see it. It's about it's seeing movies again and again. Yes. That's yes. right. Like that you said, re- timeless. Yes. Yes, sir. Oh my gosh. I wish we had three hours, but we don't. So because of that, I am going to ask you this one last question before I let you go. For anyone who may be listening, Brandon, what would be your advice to them if they had a desire, either it sparked some, like them listening to this sparked something and now they want to go into directing? Like what advice would you give uh, the people if they want to get in this industry and then get into directing? Um. I mean, there's many paths to it. I would say get to work on set, be around the environment, more importantly, in the trenches, whatever it may be. Um, AD department, department's a great department. Start working as a PA to move into a second, second, second assistant to a first assistant. Um, now, first AD starts to get more complex and stuff and becomes on the production side of everything pretty heavily. Um, or, you know, script supervising, things like that. And get into the trenches of it, but also... Start story compartmentalizing your own stuff. Writing too. It helps a lot. Mm. Like I actually left the film department at one point to go to screenwriting for a little bit just because the you are part you're the you're the final storyteller. So, you know, mm. we we make three movies. It's the one we write, it's the one we shoot, and then the last one is the one we edit. And to go through all those processes, because if you don't know editing and you don't know screenwriting, and you're sure as heck not gonna be prepared for what's in the middle, which is the deep dive. And you need to be prepared for that. I would recommend finding a mentor, by the way. Mm. And Brian Burgess said this, and I think it's great. And I think this is powerful for anybody in this position. He goes to like film schools or places and talks. And I thought it was, I, I, I love when I hear something great. So I'll, I'll give anybody the credit in the world when it's on point. He looks over at this, at this group of kids and he says one thing. He goes, how many of y'all are writers? How many of y'all are directors or whatever? You know, and everyone raised their hand. And he goes, okay. How many of you guys have all been paid for that position? And every hand goes down. And he goes, you aren't that until someone is willing to pay you for it. Mm. And here's the thing. It's the exchange of art, right? A painting Mm. that gets put on a wall, but when it gets exchanged, it's appreciated, right? Or purchased, if there's that transaction. There's an appreciation for that. So hand in hand, get paid to do something in that forum first so that Mm. you can learn what is what gets around that to be that to get paid to do that you know i think it's extremely important to do that and also on top of it in this industry make sure you freaking love it because you Mm. will go through the grind Mm. and you have to be willing to give everything up and I, i mean that wholeheartedly i warn everybody with that it's a very very cutthroat tough industry Mm. and if you're not willing to then you don't have the passion you think you have for it um and then beyond that i'm like go for it get after it just try it at all all costs but there are tricks to the trade there are 
people to get around, but you need three champions in your life, three mentors who are going to back you. Um, our parents will always tell us great job, <laughs> right. you know, whatever. And Brian said this before too, and he says it much better than me, but uh, you know, I've had, I've gotten mentors so blessed with so many mentors in my life and I keep them around. Um, Cleve Landsberg has been a huge mentor in my life on the DJ national board and of directors guild of America. And he, he's just, a, and, and he went from cynical to a champion, mm. but I, I learn in cynicism and I learn in, you know, a lot of down talking because I was an athlete and it was a different time too. It's just how I respond. But I would say, get around those mentorships because they're going to inspire you. They're going to lift you up, but they're also going to be hard on you when they need to. And you need three people who actually tell you, you got a gift and talent at this. Yeah. Like, you know, so you know, you're in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. Not just one. That's a uh, gosh, time keeps on ticking y'all. This was such a treat, was it not, y'all? Y'all, his name is Brandon. And the link to the Variety article that we reference and to see all of his movies, there'll be links in the in the show notes and in the description box if you are viewing this via YouTube. Um, Brandon, once again, thank you. You were just dropping gems like the flower girl at a wedding. And I can't. So we're we're just gonna stop. We're just gonna dip out of here. Um, my name is Dara, y'all, and I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Ciao, my friends.